Backwards podcast, not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Give Me Some Truth studios. This week, we catfish, super recap, and turn up the heat. As always, I'm joined by the Laverne to my Shirley, Dan Fallon. Dan, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Was the buildup to him playing, and then his subsequent injury, the most disappointing TV spectacle since Geraldo Rivera opened Al Capone's vault? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, you know, it, it, it's, it did smack of, uh, of you know, of uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Maybe being a little overplayed and then kind of petering out, much like the uh, Al Capone, Al Capone uh, <laughs> opening of the grave. I got to say though, my favorite, my favorite Geraldo Rivera moment of all time is when he gave away troop locations uh, in, in during the Iraq War on Fox News on live television. Um, just a real, real, real American patriot there, uh, putting our troops in harm's way to score a few. Uh, few points during sweeps was that was that iraq one or was that iraq two i would be iraq two i'm not even sure if fox news was around during iraq one uh, yeah that that's was, true that was more that was of a a big C- that was like that was cnn's yeah uh, that was the cnn's the, watershed yeah, wolf, moment wolf blitzer that wolf was uh blitzer showing up talking to us about scud missiles and patriot missiles uh that was uh, a a simpler time because we did not have <laughs> one news channel just dedicated to not telling the truth like Fox. I believe, Fo- I, I believe Fox News's uh, watershed moment or what, well, or whatever you want to call it was, uh, was Columbine. I remember uh, watching the, watching Shepard Smith talk us through the Columbine uh, shooting back in, uh, on 420, 1999. Uh, and now 487 million school shootings later, yeah. we're, we don't really give a shit. So yeah. it's no longer news. It's like car chases were once a big cut into the news event. And now we're just immune to people shooting up children. That is um, correct. Yeah. That is correct. We, we live in, we the- are off to a very, very auspicious. Yeah. Start we, live in the- <laughs> we live in the best possible country. Uh, so we have a whole slew, a smorgasbord of matches to recap. Uh, and uh, we're not going to do them uh, sort of individually because uh, you know, that would take forever. That would involve us talking a lot about soccer. Um, you know, many of these games I may not have been fully sober for. It's unclear. Uh, so, you know, just kind of race through them as a group and kind of sum up as well. I mean, the matches have been coming fast and furious uh, in that, you know, we, we are, you know, three matches in like six days or something ridiculous. Some like. may even say thick and fast. Interesting. Is that related to the penetration index? <laughs> I thought we were leaving that in the past. But. Oh, were we? I, I mean, I thought that was going going golden. Uh, speaking of important statistics, forward Madison has only led for how many minutes? 69. Nice. <laughs> uh, if Optali had his shit together, he, he said he was going to cook up a good stat on that one. And That's going to be a tough one to beat. That's going to be yeah. a tough one to beat. There were just too many matches. Um, so, I mean, although, but you know, all kidding aside, other than the other than the joke about you know sixty nine, is that uh, there I am explaining the joke. Um, a trademark of the podcast. It is pretty incredible that considering that they are uh, three wins and two draws on the season and have only led for you know less just under seventy minutes. So currently, uh, second place in the standings behind Greenville Triumph. 
Uh, Union Omaha is currently tied with them on 11 points, but Union Omaha has played one more match. Uh, they tied last night, 1-1. Uh, and so the, the run of matches began with Union Omaha. W- uh, forward Madison won with a 58th minute Suko goal. Uh, and then uh, continued down to South Georgia on the Floor Mingo's uh, May tour. He's like the Grateful Dead. Uh, he gets love now on the USL League One broadcasts. Um, though, again, he is a pod bigamist. Have we brought this up? He listens to like every pod. Well, he listens to every pod and appears apparently on every pod uh, because he has now appeared on, you know, the, the uh, pod that talking, shall not be named. Yeah. Talking Mingo, I think it is. I don't know. Talking Flock. Talking Flock um, on that podcast. And so, I mean, Flocking the guy just. Flock. Yeah, the guy just has no loyalty. Um, and this is after I've let him stay in my home. Well, he also informed us, which I think maybe we knew, but I had kind of forgotten that he listens to us at 1.8 speed. I think Depeche, Dr. Depeche Navasaria may also do that. Um, maybe I we thought should, he'd just put us on mute and listen well, I, to us on mute. <laughs> maybe we should start talking very, very slowly, slowly so that Flamingo gets the full effect of the podcast. Can you realize how long our podcast would last <laughs> if we talked like this? I mean, as a Grateful Dead fan, I'm assuming he's done some nitrous in his life, so it'll just <laughs> kind of be like that. He's also a medical doctor, though, so maybe he was wise <laughs> enough. He, he was like, I'm going to need these brain cells at some point. He's a learned doctor. He has yeah. a house with many leather-bound books. <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, beat beat Union Omaha on that goal. Uh, and then, so, well, I, and I would like to say, I would like to say that was my hashtag back to breeze. Did you start that one or did I start that one? What hashtag back to breeze? Yeah, you did. But I'm just saying that was my first match. Yeah. Yes, indeed. It was. I was it very was. excited and I showed up in good form. You had, you decided against running a half marathon before the match. I did run earlier that day, but not as long as I had run. It was a very short run. Um, I showed up for a beautiful night at Bruce. It was a perfect night for soccer. About as good a weather as you're going to get. A great atmosphere in the flock. I got to say, I do enjoy the the pregame at the stadium. It it, uh, is a good way to kind of hang out and see everybody and uh, kind of, I miss the march, but it it does save you some time. Uh, It allows you to um, consume beverages at a, at a steadier clip than when you kind of have to leave yep. one venue and walk to the next venue. Um, so very, very, very well done. And uh, it was good to see everybody back out there. And uh, the goal was scored right in front of us. It was, it was fantastic. That was also the first time I've seen the new post running Dan calves, which <laughs> are impressive. Now I have very large meaty calves. We've discussed this. This is why I have to wear over the calf socks because I have giant calves. But Dan, your calves are actually veiny. They're like like you're ripped in your calves. It's impressive, I have I to say. You, Dan has some sexy ass calves. Next time you're at a match and he's wearing shorts, check out the man's calves. That's all I'm gonna say on that front. So I was I was ready for Tetris. I was ready to jump around and do all that stuff and shanananas. I I could have shanananad the entire ninety minutes on my on my veiny veiny calves as you as you refer to them as and are you johnny johnny drama in it and getting calf implants have you are <laughs> i you, think what we discussed last night steroids? is that, 
we discussed last night is that your your calves would be like a slow cooked ham that would just fall fall off the bone, whereas mine would be a little tough. It would be like eating an elk burger or something. Yeah, yeah. I have a meaty, sinewy, sinewy. I believe is yeah. the word. Yes, exactly. Where else are you going to get five minutes on Dan? I recommend Dan a lot of calves. butter and salt if you're eating. Oh my gosh, we're having another discussion about cannibalism. <laughs> it's like it's like the the pod from the, the pod. Basement. Yeah, the pod that uh, was never released. I think we got to be one of the few podcasts in the world that's covered cannibalism on two separate occasions. Uh, I think if, if it, we're going to now have to start hashtagging cannibalism <laughs> on the podcast. Um, so we are a second half team because we went down one, nothing just before halftime against the South Georgia Tormenta. I'd like them to be Statesboro, a Statesboro Tormenta sounds a little yeah. better than South Georgia. And I always kind of forget, like I always have to be like, where are they Statesboro? And like Statesboro has got a great, Reputation, Statesboro Blues, you know, yeah. like, the, you know, it's it's a well-known place. I think people have heard of Statesboro. I, I guess they're kind of going for the the regional, the regional kind of uh, capture of um, market share. But, yeah, I mean, I think Statesboro Tormenta sounds good. Yeah. Or the I, Statesboro I, Blues would have been amazing. Uh, well, that would have been impressive. I mean, they may have gotten sued by St. Louis. You never know. You That's never true. know. Um, so... Uh, they go down one, nothing. And then in the 49th minute, Gebhard scores a goal. Tobin, uh, with his head finds the fountain of youth. Like the, the salmon of Capistrano <laughs> and rising then, and flailing. Oh, just jumping, jumping over the dam. Uh, and then Jake Keegan scores in the 82nd minute to get his, I believe, second tally on the air. And then, uh, in the 2-2 draw against FC Fort Lauderdale, 11 designated players, um, probably should be illegal. Uh, also, Phil Neville's son plays on the team, which I really, 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 really enjoy. Uh, and uh, so Jake Keegan scored in the 59th minute and then Gebhardt uh, in the 85th minute. Now, you're going to notice a pattern here, Dan. When are all the goals coming? Second half. So any theories on, are we a second half team? Why are we a second half team? What's going on there? I have a very long and elaborate theory that I'm looking forward oh. to breaking out on the podcast here about why we're a second half team. Interesting. I don't know if I have one. I mean, I think sometimes these things are, uh, you know, it just kind of happens that way. It does seem like we, Carl obviously gets them into the locker room and, uh, you know, figures out, where they want to make some changes. I don't think it's not like we're seeing complete wholesale changes to formation or anything like that. I think even he said the other night that he, you know, there was no kind of hairdryer treatment or anything like that. He just, you know, kind of said, keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, I, I think thinking about really all the matches this season, but you know, this kind of run um, with the exception maybe of the game the other night where Phil Brino had to make a, a, big save on that one fast break. And then Gustavo made that incredible tackle. Um, and there was a couple other chances in the first half. I mean, we haven't really conceded a lot of chances. It's not like we're riding our luck in matches and then getting a late goal. I would say we're generally controlling matches look very composed defensively. Um, you know, people are going to get chances here and there, but uh, it, you, you don't get the sense that we're, we're just riding our luck and then scoring some ridiculous goal. Now we've scored some incredible goals. Uh, and maybe we'll talk about Derek Edvard's goal. Cause I don't know if you'll see a better goal at 
any level of professional as, soccer. A good friend of the pod, John Dolazar, referred to it as, uh, or referred to him as, as Arhen Gebhardt, um, which I, I think is very accurate because that was a Arhen Robin-esque goal where he cut it in onto his left foot and hit that inside of the butt boot strike to the far post. I mean, all of that was incredible. The first touch is still, I, I, <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't know how he did it. Yeah. I mean, as someone who's played soccer I, all my life, running at full speed with a ball behind you and dragging it with your studs uh, as you roll it into your path is that's got to be high on the level of difficulty in the middle of a match. So high uh, degree of difficulty. And in the 85th minute of a match in South Georgia, where I'm just guessing it may have been a little bit warm. And your third game. I know he, he started on the bench, if I remember correctly. Right. I think no, Dusan started the match, but um, yeah, incredible goal. So what's your, what's your, uh, so here's my theory. We should be playing three at the back. Uh, that, that is part of my theory. Um, I thought maybe we should have switched to three in the back with two holders. Um, you know, they were, you know, uh, no, uh, what my theory is everybody talks about forward Madison playing on the front foot. And that's one of those soccer cliches that people always use and don't ever really think what it means. Right. We think, Oh, playing on the front foot, you're attacking. Right. But you know, you can just lob balls forward and attack and you know it can be very easy and very predictable for the defense you know if you spend just 90 minutes banging balls out but I think if you listen to coach Carl Craig Craig Carl Carl Craigson um, and I had a good conversation with him by the way after the Union Omaha match about northern soul music big fan as am I Um, neither here nor there in any case, when you listen to him talk about soccer and you listen, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we had uh, Fountain of Youth, the, the Paulo Maldini of North Colorado on uh, Turbo Tobin, he talked about how, you know, Carl wants he and Gustavo, if there's space to carry the ball forward. And part of that is when you when you talk about it seems that he wants to make the opponents make decisions, right? So it's really easy for a team to sit in, in a block of four, and if you try to lob it in or, or do that sort of thing, or if the center backs keep playing the same way, but if you start having a marauding six-foot, 12-inch tall Turbo Tobin carrying the ball with his short socks at you, um, you know, you're going to have to make a choice. Do you stay and hold that bank of four, or do you step out of it? And I think when you look at, our attackers, especially on the wings, um, and and we can talk. We'll probably talk about this as well in the next sort of segment. They are going at guys. They're making guys make choices, and I think it leads to the opponents being a little bit fatigued by as the game goes on. Those taking guys on right away may not work in the eighth minute, but if you're constantly mentally having to to work um, and make those choices defensively all the time and constantly being put under pressure, it leads to a mental fatigue. It leads to a physical fatigue. It leads to, you know, all you have to do for one of those moves to come off is just it to work one in 10 times. Right. And then you're in on goal and and you have a chance. So I think it's that, that kind of repetition and that encouraging to, you know, make our players, make them make choices, if that makes sense. And so I think, you know, the other thing I'd say is, uh, you know, we, we've also punished mistakes. And I think that speaks to what you're talking about here too. There have been, 
you know, thinking about the the Omaha game in particular, there was bad pass out of the back, uh, very quickly pounced on that. Uh, it was, Audie Jepson played a great ball into Suko. I mean, it was like bang, bang, bang. And even the goal, yeah. Gebhardt's goal the other night, while maybe I think it was an interception right from the back, Turbo played a very quick pass into the midfield, I think to Malloy. Malloy played a little quick pass into, I think, Jepson, and then Jepson played it out wide or Suko, one of the two. Um, but like, and I think that gets to your point of like, that's a combination of us playing on the front foot, right? Like moving the ball quickly, getting it forward, getting it to the wide players, and then maybe a, a fatigued outside back who, you know, has been dealing with these guys running at him all game, um, can't deal with it this time. And, uh, you know, the other thing too, I think Connor mentioned this, you probably don't want to give us a lot of corner kicks and set pieces because Aaron Malloy is uh, a dead ball specialist. I mean, if you watch him hit a ball, um, it's pretty impressive what he can do. And it's usually on the money and, you know, that, uh, you know, even turbo was able to finish that corner. That's how, that's how good a pass it was. Well, it it seems like, and, and it seems like they've taken a pretty straightforward approach, which is, you know, turbo is probably your tallest guy is a solid header of the ball. I mean, he doesn't use that brain for anything. It's, it's mostly just, you know, so less worried about, you know, uh, long-term effects of heading the soccer ball turbo is. And what you can do in a lot of cases, if you've got one guy that can put the ball where you want it and a guy that's big and strong and can get to where the ball is going. And, you know, sometimes you run a little pick play, you know, yeah, uh, and you, you get him that little bit of space and boom, he heads it in. I mean, you know, with the club that we support, one of the things that really hurt them this year was the loss of, in particular, Virgil van Dyke on set pieces, right? Yeah. And Joel Matip, who is also a taller player, and that they couldn't get those tall guys into those positions. Because, I mean, VVD scored seven goals, I think, the year before. Most of them off of set pieces. Matip had four. That adds up over a season. So, if, yeah. you know, forward can pick up those little bits there. The other thing that I noticed, and, and it was sort of crazy, at one point in the first half, it was about 12 minutes in, 13 minutes in, I thought, boy, they look a little tired. And part of that was I saw Gustavo Fernandez have the ball sort of dead at his feet. It wasn't moving. And one of the things that I've noticed so far is that the ball is always moving. You know, they're not pondering over the ball over the back. It's like, bing, you you know, Fernandez plays it to Tobin. If Tobin doesn't see anything on, plays it right back. They find Leonard or Malloy in the midfield. If it's not on, they, they ding it back. That it's not sitting. It's not what we might call turgid. Which is not a word that we've brought up so far um, this year. Certainly have not. Certainly have not. So uh, three goals in the in the first five matches. I have Jake Keegan as our our man of the matches um, so far. Do you have alternate suggestions? This is our second point. Point well, two, Dan. I think just to talk about Jake. Uh, I think I mentioned this the first week after you know he kind of didn't do much in the match and then pops up and scores a goal. And then, you know, did it again in the second match where he set up the goal. It's pretty impressive to watch him to do what he does. Those, those aren't one-offs. I, I, I think we probably both agree. He hasn't, he doesn't get that involved in the buildup. Um, you know, the ball's not coming into his feet a lot. His job is to make sure he's at the penalty spot. Um, or, you know, making that run down the channel when it's time to do that. But so I give him a lot of credit for how productive he's been considering 
he's not getting a whole lot of chances, but when they come his way, he seems to be burying them. Uh, yeah. So I, I'll give him a lot of credit for that. You know, I got, I think there's a you couple the crossbar there on, on yeah. uh, Tuesday night. And that's the first time I think that he kind of had a clear chance that he missed that. Yeah, I and that was, uh, he, and, you know, he did well to get, he, the guy was hanging all over him and he still yeah. smashed it off the bar. Um, but yeah, I think there's two, two players. I think that, that have stood out to me. Gebhardt, we've already talked about him. He's got, I think, three goals right on the season already. Big goals. Uh, obviously, the the home opener goal, I think, will long live long in the memory. Yeah. Uh, but I think the other player who has just made an incredible amount of difference is Aaron Malloy. I, yeah. I, his class on the field is clear. Uh, you know, I, we've talked about this in the past about Pato and some other players. Aaron looks like a player who should be playing at a higher level, but because he's not an American citizen, that's not going to work for him right, you know, right now, unless he yeah. keeps performing at, at a, at a high level. Uh, yeah. I, I, he, it is just really clear to watch the way he goes about his business on the pitch. He is a class player and, you know, he did make a mistake the other night uh, yeah. with a, with a bad pass. And I, it literally, I was like, is this like the goal. first mistake yeah. he's made all year? And he's on the ball all the time. I mean, the ball, everything is coming through him basically in the midfield. I mean, if you watch them play out of the back, he's always making himself available. And it was interesting to see. And then we talked a little bit about this the other night that they, even on the back of a, you know, a lot of matches in a very few days in the heat in Florida that Carl still felt comfortable playing him as a single pivot and not feeling like he needed to drop Eric Leonard in next to him. Now, you know, Eric, I think, you know, he struggled a little bit. I mean, I don't think that's his natural position to play in front of, you know, or kind of as one yeah. of the eights, if, if you will. Um, but I think it shows that Aaron's clearly the six and yep. until somebody pushes him out of there. And I think, has he come out of a match yet? I think he's played 90 minutes. I think you may be right. Yeah. I, I don't uh, think he's, he's subbed out at all. Um, and this is a guy who came in late, missed most of training. Uh, he's a machine. And I am, uh, I am blown away that he is, he is sitting in the middle of our, our team. He he is Uh, a very fun player to watch. Um, I think, you know, again, same with Pato. He's also hurt by the fact that he is not 12 feet tall. Right. I I mean, I think there's a, an American bias towards, especially in that DCM or the, um, uh, uh, so he did not start against Tucson. He was out. Malloy didn't start against Tucson. Okay. Um, came in uh, partway through that match. Okay. Um, but we, we want bigger guys in that DCM role where, and that means a guy like Malloy, um, you know, gets overlooked. And look, I have, first of all, Pep learned much to his detriment. One of the fundamental <laughs> rules of Keith Ponywaz's approach to soccer is what, Dan? Always play with a six. Yep. And the six is probably the defensive center mid, the pivote, if you will, is probably, in my opinion, the most important man on the pitch. Um, You know, you see it with Chelsea, with Conte, right? Frank Lampard is such a blockhead. He didn't know how to use Conte. I mean, literally a guy that they're talking about, you know, Ballon d'Or candidate, which he can say very well because he he speaks French. Conte does. You know, well, he is French. <laughs> yeah. Explaining well, the joke again, Dan. Um, 
uh, he, he, you know, is, is crucial. You saw it with the, you know, the, the example I always go back to from my formative years of, of watching soccer tactics, Claude McAlealy leaving Real Madrid. And it was like, well, what good is, you know, having leather seats on the car? I think Zidane said, if there's no engine and Malloy, you get that very clear that this is the engine room. And, um, I love Eric Leonard. I thought they were a better team with him in the six in previous years, but Malloy is technically just a, a step up and just a, a, a joy to watch. Somebody that, if you're going to games at Bree Stevens, you should almost watch him on his own. He'll you, yep. you draw into him. Um, one uh, additional thing that that I think we've seen is you know Gebhardt could make a case of him of man of the matches. Tyler Allen as well. We saw it a little bit, you know, from Noah Fusan. Our wings are so much more lively, so much more energetic, putting that pressure on and have, you know, I, I think our front line is such a huge upgrade over where it was last year. Yeah. And <laughs> is this the next segment? Is this what fun's like or whatever? I, yep. I mean, watching this team right now is, is a lot of fun. And I give Carl a lot of credit for, really overhauling the roster. Uh, you know, he only brought back what four players from last year and even, you know, I, you know, one other player too, I want to mention because I, you know, I don't, I think everyone was kind of waiting for another goalkeeper to come in. Phil Brino has done a very, very good job. He, he not without a couple of mistakes here and there, but he's made the saves that he's needed to make uh, as a goalkeeper. Maybe I, you know, I, I thought he, you know, coming out the, the own goal on Pato, I, you know, I don't know if he needed to come, yeah, he can't even get, get it right. Yeah, you know, listen, you make a decision, you go for it, but you know you got to get to it, and it kind of put Pato in a bad spot. But you know, otherwise, he has made some absolutely tremendous saves. That save he made uh, on uh, on uh, Curry, your favorite uh, British named player, yeah, um, Mitchell Mitchell Curry. Uh, he that was a great save. He I think he won save of the week if I'm not if I'm not mistaken for another save possibly. Uh, so. A lot of credit to him. I think he kind of came in. I think most people were thinking, or at least I was, that he was the backup and there would be, you know, I think hopefully Chris Brady or maybe whoever the next Chicago fire young 12 year old. Yeah. 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 And uh, I think Phil's made it pretty clear that those gloves are his until, until something else happens. So um, credit to him for coming in and staking his claim. So we brought back more than four players. I'm just going through here. Jiro, uh, Connor, uh, Diaz, right. Michael I was Penn, thinking from the first year, from the first, the first year, first year yeah. Four players yeah. Have, yeah. 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 Um, okay. so yep. yeah, four players have stuck around, but that's, you know, fairly common. I think in, in lower division soccer too, is that there's a fair amount of, of yeah. turnover. Do you know, want I to think give coach Neil, any uh, credit for his, uh, well, and, and this makes me deeply uncomfortable because I think I complimented him twice. And I think one of the things with bringing in Alan Malloy, uh, you know, all of these guys, uh, coach Neil is a, some sort of smooth talking talent scout genius. Um, you know, because he's bringing in these very young guys who are just, you know, taking it to them. I mean, making them, making them work. Um, I think, you know, Gebhardt, Allen, Fusan, all of those guys are just fun players to watch. And then bringing in the experienced veteran, like, like Jay Keegan, you know, uh, makes a lot of sense and, and fits. And Malloy was a guy that, you know, uh, he wanted um, and wanted to bring in. Um, so, and I think he, you know, did a good job. And I, I think, you know, having played with 
Carl, I think he knew what Carl wanted out of certain positions. And in Malloy, you know, we had talked at the, the beginning of the year, you know, in Minnesota, he often played with the doble pivote, uh, the double pivot, the two sixes, um, you know, Cart, coach Carl Craig, Craig Carl, Carl Craigson. Um, but with Malloy, you've got a guy that can do it. Get, get yourself someone who can do both. Maybe we should start calling him the Irish Conte. Uh, I, I did like uh, somebody uh, referred to him as the Irish Zabi, Zabi. Uh, Kyle Carr referred to him as the Irish uh, Zabi, which I like because it's a, a shout as well to the, the Welsh Zabi, Joe Allen. So maybe he's the Irish Joe Allen, uh, you know. Uh, so uh, the Irish Conte um, also works. So we'll, we'll come up with something um, here. So, yes, the third point, Dan, is, is this what fun feels like <laughs> i think i'm so. uncomfortable with this emotion i think so uh it is it, this is similar to um you know i think our feelings about air Klopp when he came along after years and years and years of being you know kind of in the doldrums as a liverpool sporter other than the one kind of year that ended very very horribly uh but you know this idea that like this can be fun the coach can be fun there can be a good atmosphere around it you you know you like showing up to watch and uh you know and a shout out to the 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 carl neil videos from breeze are just top top notch and Uh, uh, hashtag content hashtag yes content uh and I think we talked about Carl seemed ready-made for Madison and the way he approaches things and how he likes to have fun. And even when he showed up at the post-match after the Union Omaha game and led us through a chant of uh, some cricket or rugby or something that <laughs> Mike Quito, I believe, started. And, you know, he, he was clearly basking in the enjoyment of being the manager of this club and uh, you know, being the leader of, of the sporters and uh, long may it continue. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I think, you know, with, with Allen and Gebhardt and, and Fusan and Keegan, you're seeing, and, and by way of statistical analysis, Dan, we scored how many goals last year? I discovered this today because they have trivia on the forward Madison app on the fan hub uh, where we also got a shout out uh, and, you know, my favorite drinking establishment got a shout out from, from Dirk Capitan. Uh, you know, he said, hang on. If, if someone comes to Madison, where are you taking them? And he said, the, the Argus, you know, good food, good people get to hang with Dan and Keith there as we were last night. Um, you know, and, uh, just a great, it, it's a good bar. It's just a bar. It, it reminds me of Hemingway's a clean, well-lighted place. Um, which if we're going to go dark, that's how you can go dark. But, you know, these young guys, they're, they're fun to watch. I mean, the, the skill from that Gebhardt goal or, you know, that finish from Keegan or even the, the ball off the crossbar. I mean, they're just fun to watch. They're taking chances. They want to, they want to play. They want to, you know, get out there. Um, it's not rocket science, you know? And then a guy like Malloy is just a fun guy to watch. I mean, it reminds me of the first season. It was fun to watch Josie Al Nunez, right? Because that was yeah. a guy that had so much talent, so much skill, um, wanted to take people on, could make things happen with the ball. And, you know, watching someone like Malloy is a little bit more, 
it's a little less in your face because he's more of an assist guy, you know, is deeper lying, but it's still fun to watch. Um, it's fun to see Connor Tobin nearly crush, you know, pod bigamist floor mingos to death after scoring. Um, this team is just, it's, it's fun to watch. And it's always been, you know, 2019 was fun to go to the games last year. It being 2020 was not a fun year. Um, we, we scored 20 goals. Um, that's the statistic I was going to bring up last year. We've already scored eight in five matches so far. Um, well, and so I think there was the stat, right. That we got to 10 points in four matches and that took us something like, uh, 10 or 12 the first season and 11. I mean, you know, you look at just how we're playing out of the gates and, you know, both, you know, last year never really kicked off, right. We kept having these permutations about how we could still get in. And it just felt like ridiculous that we were still thinking that, um, you know, form the form table is there for a reason. Uh, you know, again, not to keep talking about our other club, but you know, Liverpool kind of proved that, in very few cases, you can kind of somehow completely turn your form around and, and finish, you know, eight winning eight matches out of your last 10. But if you've played a 30 year season and you've been mediocre, you're probably going to end up mediocre with a, with a couple of little bumps here and there, maybe, you know, a couple of wins in a row, but that's going to probably be followed by some losses and some draws. And last season was just tough to watch. And, um, and, you know, not to hard not to, to watch starring Tracy Jordan from 30 <laughs> and not to uh, not to bring in a, a negative here. But we, we were also talking about, you know, kind of the one bright spot last year was was our was our our hero, um, Michael Vang and the hashtag Vang train. And he's had a, he's struggled a little bit this year. And I think, you know, last year, clearly automatic pick. No doubt that he was one of the first names on the on the on the starting lineup if he was fit and ready to play. And I think he finds himself in a position this year where that is not the case anymore. Uh, he's got, he's now competing with, with Audie Jepsen and, and Justin Succo and uh, Carlos Gomez, I think is more of a wide player, but um, I assume that, you know, Mike could also play in one of the wide positions. He's a little bit of a different type of player than those guys, but you, you know, he could, he could tuck in as a, as a wide forward and, and, you know, be creative from kind of in that, you know, kind of the old Coutinho role when he was, when yeah. he was actually playing well. Um, but, you know, he's, he's got a, he's got a, he's got a little battle ahead of him now to, to prove that he deserves a starting place in the team. And, and again, he didn't complete 90 minutes the other night. I think he played about 77 ish. Um, Cause I was keeping an eye on that to see, you know, is he fit enough to play 90 uh, and again, it was his first start and it was on the road in a very warm environment. So maybe that played a part of it, but he um, was a, a little bit invisible. Um, yeah. And he really didn't, he didn't do much. Yeah. I got, yeah. I, I got to say that too, but he's got well, all the talent in the world. So I, you know, I think it's really up to him to buckle down. And so you, you, and this is what this lower division, I mean, not even lower division soccer, every level of soccer, you know, they're always looking to improve teams and you always are going to have to battle for your spot and, I think that's something to keep an eye on this year and see how he kind of reacts to that and how the season goes. The only other concern I think, which I think everyone shares just how thin we are. I, you know, I just worry about an injury here or there. Uh, we've been very lucky so far, but particularly at the center back position, we literally don't have another center back. Other Eric than Leonard. Leonard. Yeah. 
I get the feeling Josiah Trimingham is not coming back to Madison, but, and I don't have any insider information on that. I just, uh, I just kind of get that vibe. Um, it seems a little odd that he's not here yet. So, uh, and he, and he doesn't seem like he's going to fit real well in with the roster. We haven't seen any players from our partner, the Chicago fire come up, um, right. which is kind of interesting. Well, and I know there was some COVID bubble stuff, I think, related to MLS, where if, like, right, you had players, they were bringing players kind of up and down. I think that ends at some point. But again, you know, how, how, I don't know how that looks now that we're in second place with a pretty set lineup. Like, Chicago might be even more reticent to send a young player up here who might not play much at all. Um, but at particular, a center back, you know, I don't, can't imagine a 16 or 17 or 18 year old center back forcing out turbo or Gustavo anytime soon, given how well we've looked or given how good we've looked. So, yeah. Yeah. That, so the, you know, the, this is just kind of looking at a couple of the very minor negatives that uh, are not exactly keeping me awake at night, but yeah, I think we have pretty decent uh, depth in the midfield. You know, yeah. we have, you know, Suko and Jepsen Jepsen has really stopped up. I think, um, you know, Gomez will be joining where we're missing is we don't have, I think, a, you know, Nuo Fusan played there last year. Um, we don't have a, another number nine yeah. in the Jake yeah. Keegan role. Yeah. Um, if we go to Fusan, uh, you may see, you know, hopefully Keegan doesn't get hurt. Hopefully he's an iron map. Um, Michael Vang is a false nine might be an interesting component yeah. because, you know, this we talked about, we talked about Keegan's role earlier on in the podcast one of the things that he does and that he's so quiet is he's occupying the center backs. They have to worry about him yeah. and that's creating those, those one-on-ones for Allen and Gebhardt with Vang. Maybe he drops and moves and, and works maybe vertically. Whereas, you know, uh, based on the number of offsides that we've seen and then the goal, you know, Keegan likes to work across the back line as well. So a couple of options. Um, so, uh, in our, our, our fourth match in 12 days, I think it is, uh, in the unique USL League One scheduling, Union Omaha comes back <laughs> to play forward Madison. I think we play them eight times in three days or something weird like that uh, on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Um, again, a, a, an odd scheduling decision in that it did not permit um, – you know, a, a good travel day for the best fans in USL League One. Um, so, you know, that, uh, I mean, we're, they're not giving us one either, right? Because I think we play there on a Friday night. Yeah. So, uh, which, which actually, I mean, and, and I know you're you're being you're being uh, pithy, but I mean, it is too bad because I mean, I think these are two clubs that I think do have fans that are willing to. Obviously, we <laughs> we're still sending, I think, about fifty people to Omaha, even though it's yeah. on a Friday night. Uh, but it, you know, you, you do wish that the league might look at some, and some of this is out of the league's hands, I think, particularly yeah. in Omaha, because they're sharing the stadium with, uh, the storm chasers yeah, with, uh, with the Papillion baseball team. Uh, <laughs> and I'm assuming we took a Sunday game because of this crazy amount of games we were playing and just getting yeah. one extra day of rest was probably ideal, uh, so yeah, well, we'll welcome back the, uh, the Bujos slash catfishers to, uh, to Bree Stevens field. Um, so, uh, the match on Sunday is at five o'clock and this brings up something. So union Omaha played last night, one, one draw against Toronto FC two. Um, look at us. We know, I think know all of the teams in the league, um, which is pretty impressive. Let's be honest for us. 
um, one, one draw last night. But I'm, glad honest, just, I'm really glad you didn't just quiz me. Yeah. Um, they're, they're likewise playing on a, a pretty heavy schedule, uh, of a number of games here. Um, and you know, Sunday it's going to be nine high of 90 here in Madison <laughs> on the and turf, on the turf with the little black rubber pellets that get to somewhere in the realm of 10 million degrees <laughs> on a hot day. Um, the, the little cancer particles, I'm sure, you know, no, uh, no, 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 no. They have tested those recycled rubber yeah. tires and they are, they are a okay. They're perfectly fine. No problems whatsoever. They're not at all a mass carcinogen. I always love having to pick them out of raspberries. If you slide in a game on the turf and later on you're extracting those from, from the, uh, torn skin. So, <laughs> you're uh, you know, I don't, I, Ideal situation, Dan, really to go three in the back uh, with the double pivot in front of them. Um, so I've been texting Neil about that, um, a little more defensive you know, setup. But I do think we may see a little less energetic match um, yeah. Sunday than we did. You know, and Union came out of the gates and tried to press. Um, their team, you know, and this is a frustration that I yell about all the time, you know, they, they play on that band, you know, that band box. Um, a baseball field, which, you know, should not be allowed. Um, and it's, you know, tiny. And so you can press really well. They came out and pressed again. And it's grass, I believe. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be a little slower. It's smaller. Also it's their home stadium. So they, they kind of understand it a little better, but yeah, I think you were, you rightly pointed that out in the first match that we were pretty easily breaking through their, their press. Uh, and that's going to, yeah. And that's, again, that's going to be a tough order given all the matches they've played earlier in the day, hot turf. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it should be, it should be interesting. I mean, you know, I keep thinking, well, you know, we haven't broken out to describe a match yet. Turgid. I think it may be a turgid. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's I mean, on, I, you know, on the turgid, the turgid watch list. <laughs> yeah. I think I keep waiting for like, okay, like, you know, we're playing really well. We keep, you know, pulling these things out of a, out of a hat. Not really, but I think cause I think we're playing well and we yeah. generally deserved what we've gotten out of every match. I think we both the other night thought, and Kyle too thought that was a pretty fair result. And actually going into that match after the run we've been on, I'm like, Psh, I'd take a draw and come home. And, I'd you know, snap your, I'd snap your arm off. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, again, you're in some ways you're playing a little bit with house money here. I mean, you get another win against Omaha Direct rival, you know, you you might be top of the table by the end of the day. Well, or not. I'm, who, I don't know when uh, Greenville might play. Probably plays before that. But and well, then we finally caught up to the number of matches that Greenville has played, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and know. now there's teams that have played less than us. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> yeah, Toronto and uh, somebody else. I can't remember who it is. And then we, and, you know, this does start a stretch now of three game, three home matches in a row. Uh, actually, four of our next five, two of which are against new England. Crazy scheduling. Yeah. We new England home, Greenville away, new England home. Uh, so yeah, there's a chance to really keep this rolling, but I think, I think you're making a good point that it might, you know, keep, keep the turgidity scale handy for Sunday. Um, so we will, you and I will be in prime for Greenville doesn't play until June 13th. So they played last May 22nd, and then they don't play again until June 13th, and then they play June 16th, June 19th, 
June 23rd, <laughs> June 26th, and then they get a week off for July 4th. <laughs> oh, that was nice of them. Yeah. Um, you know, a very strange scheduling. Uh, Inter-Miami has played nine matches, Tormenta seven, Toronto two, and the Sad Wolves both have played four. Yeah, there you go, Chattanooga. I knew there was someone else in there yeah. who only played. You know, one other thing about Union Omaha, we won't get into you know, get into the whole legal situation one of their players is facing, but he is a starting defender who is now out. And they're, uh, I'm blanking on the gentleman's name who is from uh, Wisconsin who plays up top for, uh, for Omaha, who also hasn't been playing recently. And I think there's some questions about what's going on with with him, whether because I don't think they've said he's hurt, uh, so they've got a couple of issues I think personnel-wise that hopefully we can we can take advantage of. Yeah, no, I think that, you know anytime you you don't want to lose a center back, um, it makes life difficult, and so. Um, and our, I saw that our our buddy uh, Nuhu was benched last night, and I don't know if you if you saw that, so we no. will not be we may not be able to vocally remind, remind him of his howler from richmond although yeah. credit to him i don't think we because we haven't yeah we haven't pod pod since then no. uh he he was a good sport about it and after the match gave us a little uh, gave thumbs the flock and a little clap and a thumbs up i think uh saying he was pretty impressed and also the two guys at halftime i don't remember their names they both yeah. good sports about us just having a little bit of fun with them there was nothing Nothing untowards. We were just kind of chatting with them. I was telling them I thought their uniforms looked ridiculous, and if they were going to go with yellow, they needed to go yellow shorts as well because the white was throwing me off. Or black shorts. His comment was, I don't pick the uniforms. They just pay me to play. (laughs) 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 Or as long as they pay me, I'll wear whatever they want, something along those lines. So so, uh, credit to you, Omaha players. I thought they, they had a good time with us in the flock end. So, yeah. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to uh, Dan seeing you in the flock end tonight. You're now off to watch the U S men's national team versus Honduras in the nation's league, 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 league. Yeah. I, I said to Keith earlier that I wanted to be done by six 30 so I could watch the U S and then in the next breath thought, do I really want to do that? <laughs> um, so hopefully it is not high on the tragedy scale. We'll, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Uh, maybe we'll have, maybe they'll play three in the back. <laughs> Never know. With Greg Berhalter. Yeah. Greg uh, yeah. Uh, he may play four right-sided uh, defenders. You never know. Yeah, he Correct. could go full Correct. Gareth Southgate. Until next time, we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards the <laughs>